So I was actually in Miami um, and heard uh, Deputy Attorney General Monaco's remarks live. It was a surprise to us uh, in many ways to hear her remarks. I wouldn't really describe it so much as a change in policy as I would describe it as a sort of going back to the way things had been for a long time. This is Tom Fox. In October, Deputy Attorney General Lisa Monaco gave a keynote speech at the American Bar Association's 36th National Institute on White Collar Crime. Her remarks reframed a discussion about the uses of reason for and perceptions on independent monitors and monitorships. Monaco's remarks should be studied by every compliance professional as they portend a very large change in the way the Department of Justice will use monitors going Over this five-part podcast series sponsored by Affiliated Monitors, we will consider why Monaco's remarks herald a new era for monitorships. In other words, it is not your father's monitor. We will look at change in monitorships from the white-collar enforcement and defense perspective from Bethany Hengsbach. Mikhail Ryder-Gordon will look at the global aspects of new DOJ monitor focus. Christina Ravello will discuss how ethics and compliance assessments help drive more compliant companies. Jesse Kaplan brings his views on the twin topics of antitrust and healthcare compliance. And in part five, we conclude with Affiliated Monitors founder, Ben DeCiani, who looks at where monitors and monitor ships are going in 2022 and beyond. First, a word about our sponsor, Affiliated Monitors. Founded in 2004, Affiliated Monitors was the first company in the United States to focus on providing top quality, independent integrity monitoring and assessment services across a wide range of regulated industries and professions. What distinguishes AMI professionals from others is that monitoring is AMI's business. It is not a sideline to some other professional practice or service. AMI has been the corporate integrity monitor for more than 850 matters involving large multinational companies and individual practitioners. For more information, check out their website, www.affiliatedmonitors.com. In episode one, I'm joined by Bethany Hingsbach, who will discuss the change in monitorships from the perspective of white-collar defense and enforcement. Today, I'm thrilled to have with me Bethany Hingsbach, who's going to talk to us about some white-collar enforcement and defense issues that she saw and heard in the Lisa Monaco speech. So, Bethany, first of all, thanks so much for taking the time to visit with me today. Of course, Tom. It's a real pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, I think we both agree that the Lisa Monaco speech, uh, if not a game changer, was at least a refocus by the Department of Justice on a wide variety of topics. And I really wanted to start with by asking you, did you see anything in or hear anything in that speech which really led you to see a refocus by the DOJ to utilize uh, monitors in a non-punitive manner manner going forward? I sure did, Tom. And let me just take a step back um, and and give you a little bit of context. So I was actually in Miami um, and heard uh, Deputy Deputy Attorney General Monaco's remarks live. 
Um, and I was with uh, Vin Diciani, who I know you've had on uh, the podcast many times. And I, I know he's been uh, contributing to the blog as well on the subject. So I know you're aware that he was there too. Um, obviously, you know, it was, um, it was a surprise to us uh, in many ways to hear her remarks. Um, but also, you know, not, um, I wouldn't really describe it so much as a change in policy as I would describe it as a sort of going back to the way things had been for a long time. And obviously, you know, she um, specifically rescinds certain guidance from the past, specifically with respect to monitors. Um, so that's the first point I would make. And and secondly, in terms of uh, the commitment to use monitors in a non-punitive manner, I think that's uh, I think that's exactly the right way to put it. And um, I think you know her the live remarks. I think um, really underscore that point um, when she said um, that specifically that she's making clear that the department is free to require the imposition of independent monitors whenever it is appropriate to do so in order to satisfy our prosecutors that a company is living up to its compliance and disclosure obligations under a DPA uh, or an NPA. Um, so to me, that was really, um, I think, a recognition of the role uh, that monitors play in um, fostering an environment of compliance, not just as a penalty, not just as a component of a an NDA or a DPA or a plea agreement, but really as a tool to incentivize compliant conduct on the front end. And so, um, you know, the work that we do at Affiliated Monitors is obviously so much more broad than DOJ monitors. So we've been been, uh, very uh, in tune with this sort of expanded view of monitoring because we see it in in the non-DOJ context all the time, where either companies on their own or um, other enforcement agencies, whether at the federal or state level, will bring monitors in um, before there's an enforcement action. So uh, this idea that monitors can be a tool um, for uh, mandating, you know, compliance uh, it, before the situation becomes punitive, I think is um, it was certainly uh, terrific for us to hear, but not necessarily a surprise. And I, I saw actually your comments um, in the article that you wrote uh, right after her remarks. I remember that you sort of predicted this coming as well. So um I think you're probably on the same page to some extent. I see one of the things that intrigued me about uh, Deputy Attorney General Monaco's remarks were uh, sort of the following. The evolution of how monitors are, number one, used by the Department of Justice, but also uh, perceived by the corporate community. I was at a company that had a monitor in 2007, and it was viewed very much as punitive. Uh, There was, I think, fair criticism in the first decade of this century about monitorship costs. Uh, Then there was response by the DOJ and um, a sort of an evolution in their thinking as well. And the Monaco speech to me really crystallized what I had seen the DOJ thinking, even with the Benchkowski memo and other pronouncements from the uh, 
Department of Justice in the prior administration. And I really wanted to use that as a way to introduce my next, next question to you, that in addition to uh, monitors now being perceived as non-punitive and beneficial to companies, it also seemed to me that Deputy Attorney General Monaco and indeed the entire DOJ sees monitors, particularly independent monitors, as a beneficial tool to expand the DOJ's reach. And I wondered if uh, that was a fair assessment from where you sit and your professional background. I think that's right, um, Tom. And let me explain a little bit about why why I say that. So first of all, my background before coming to AMI, uh, I was a, a partner in a large firm um, doing what I call our criminal defense. Um, I've been a lawyer for 23 years, spent the last uh, 10 years practicing, uh, really defending uh, against criminal enforcement actions. And I can tell you um, that your experience uh, with monitors is, is you know, is not uh, an outlier. I think a lot of people, including myself, when I was in private practice, um, had some legitimately negative experiences with monitors, whether it be um, scope creep, whether it be just sort of um, a, a kind of never ending runaway train of spending, or whether it be um, monitors really trying to prove their value add. So kind of going for that gotcha. Um, those those things are real. And, and I, I hear you about your experience from the in-house perspective. And I certainly experienced that um, representing companies that were under monitorships. And in fact, I remember um, when I would be talking to companies about the need for proactive compliance, I would use the monitor as sort of the big cautionary tale. You know, you need to spend this money on the front end because what you really, really don't want, in addition to the, you know, multi-year investigation that's going to drag resources um, and uh, and be incredibly expensive, is you really don't want this monitor who's going to be looking over your shoulder every every second. Um, it, and what's been really terrific for me um, in joining AMI just this year is the really the the kind of learning curve on my part, understanding how broad um, monitorships are, and in fact, they don't have to be this negative experience. Um, and so that's the other thing I wanted to say in response to your question is, you know, it's not as if DOJ can just make these changes in policy and then all of a sudden monitorships change and become non-punitive. I think it's incumbent upon the independent monitorship community to understand that our role is not to, to play the gotcha. It's really to... I think lend the helping hand to the company to say, this is the way forward. This is the way out of this difficult situation. This is the way to become a better, stronger, um, you know, more compliant company that has better relationships with regulators, um, what have you. So I think it's I think it's really twofold. I think it's you know this, the change in policy is important, and I and I see that, but I think also. Um, it's incumbent upon monitors themselves to really react uh, to this to this change in policy and ensure that um, monitors, um, you know, aren't viewed um, 
in in the punitive way because in many ways I think that was earned. The uh, one other thing I wanted to visit with you about Bethany was in other uh, parts of her remarks, Deputy Attorney General Monaco, <coughs> excuse me, talked about recidivism, and it struck me that if you sort of draw a line back to monitorships that monitors can be used in yet another way in addition to the non-punitive manner, in addition to extending the DOJ's reach through the use of the tool of a monitorship, but actually to help prevent future corruption. Because we do have recidivists in the FCPA world, or we have it had in the past. And uh, I wanted to maybe conclude with what are your thoughts about the use of a monitorship to do that, to keep a company from becoming a recidivist, from getting into more trouble, having additional financial penalties or other burdens put upon them as well? Well, I can tell you, Tom, I actually represented the very first uh, sort of repeat offender in the FCPA world many, many, many years ago in my life as a, as a defense attorney. So this issue of recidivism is um is, is real. Um, I think that since then it has become unfortunately much more common. Um, and I think um, we need to keep in mind here is what Deputy Attorney General Monaco said about culture. Because to me, the way that you fix ongoing problems, particularly when it comes to corruption, is to change the culture. And I think that is why there are so many um, repeat offenders in the FCPA world because the fixes that are put in place are extremely narrow and geared at um, logistics or operations and not culture. And what really drives compliance, we all know, is changes, real, real changes in culture. And so I think that is an area in which monitors can be extremely useful. And I I can tell you, we have engagements now where we are exclusively focused on culture and companies, really smart companies realize that cultural issues are the canary in the coal mine oftentimes for real enforcement problems. And so um, I think this sort of shift in policy to use monitors um, to prevent recidivism, I think is is fantastic, especially when you take into account um, the uh, the impact that we as monitors can have on culture. Well, Bethany, unfortunately, we are near the end of our time for this episode, but I wanted to thank you for taking the time to visit with me, and I hope our listeners will join us for our next episode in our series on Not Your Father's Monitors. Thank you. That sounds great. Thanks, Tom. This is Tom Fox again. You can check out more on Affiliated Monitors at their website, www.affiliatedmonitors.com. I hope you'll join me tomorrow when I visit with Mikhail Ryder-Gordon on global aspects of this new DOJ policy going forward.